Cosmic Christ Podcast, channeling the mind of Christ, with your host, Ascended Master and Enlightenment Instructor, Reva Christ. Theme music, Tears of Joy, by David Feslian, FeslianStudios.com. Welcome back to Cosmic Christ Podcast, Channeling the Mind of Christ. I'm Reva Christ, and we are on episode 36, Examining the Mind in the Bible. Before we begin, I have another message from Christ concerning today's episode. Jumping right into the cosmic stream, I will be reading from the transcript of that message. The Great Bible not only documents human behavior and human thinking, It also documents man's earliest interactions with the cosmic universe, as it reveals that men were conduits and they received messages from spirits beyond the veil of the human world. In truth, not all were receiving messages, and not all messages came from a superior intelligence. Only the superior mind can tell the difference. When I was alive, I brought the keys to the kingdom and I made it my life's mission to share cosmic knowledge with the people of the earth, knowledge of the spirit and the spirit mind that was innocent, intelligent, free of corruption, and endowed with the fruits of spiritual blessings. My teachings were to draw a distinction between dark thoughts that held no light and the light thoughts of the cosmic creator, the spirit of God. These are things that cannot be perceived through flesh eyes, These things can only be known through the sentient mind of Cosmic Alpha or Cosmic Alpha Omega, for only these portals are connected to the cosmos of creation. Outside of these portals, there is only the world of the flesh and the longings and leanings of the body that drive men and women to perpetually crave and cling, so they are never filled. See this condition in yourself. Know your own cravings and longing. Know your own emptiness, and you will know you are only set on the flesh. You are not cosmically aligned. And the one who does see this, and through the seeing, also realizes they long for release from the craving and clinging. This man or woman senses their own spirit's connection to the cosmos of creation, the vast emptiness of God's own purity. The man or woman that longs to be free from flesh thinking seeks the true life of the higher mind, the omega that serves alpha or the alpha that serves the cosmos. Only two hold the light of true life, the release from all lower worlds of thinking and craving and all experiences of carnal feeling and emotions. The journey to join with either one of these two evolutionary mental states begins with utilizing your mental processes of refined thinking. Reflect, ponder, consider, contemplate, analyze, deduce, discern, reason, and apply rational deduction in order to bring comprehension of all lower mental materials that hold you back. The answer is not outside of you. It is inside of you. It is woven into your very coding, not the coding of your body, but the coding of your mind. If you can separate your human information from your mind and explore your mind as a spiritual entity, then you will have reached the journey of the Ascended Master. Who are you? You are everything. 
because everything is woven into you by virtue of being a part of the delicate network of your mental existence. You are not alone. All of existence is with you. All of natural organic existence is also made of the very cosmic mental fabric that you are made of. Only your flesh body separates you from your connection to true life, and only flesh thinking blinds you to realizing this. You do not need a manual or a teacher. You do not need to spend money on seminars or training. You only need to look within yourself and separate your human flesh information from all other information. Analyze, reflect, ponder, consider, contemplate, discern, reason, apply logic and rational thinking. Allow the tools of your mind's intellect to forge a path through the jungle of flesh thoughts in order to find the true answers to who you are. You are a mind. See it. Experience it through your sentient connection to all other minds on earth. The plants, the vegetables, the trees, the animals, the birds, the fish, the reptiles, the atmosphere, the water, and the land. You are a cosmic mind created by cosmic creation, a part of every creation in the cosmos. You are one part of a whole intelligent sentient mind that is a being unto itself and this whole intelligent sentient mental being exists as a universe unto itself it is amazing it is fantastic it is astounding it is glorious it is the cosmic you and you are all of it the human story in the bible will lead you to see the flesh thinking of men and women. See this and know it for what it is, the flesh cravings and clinging of men to the longings and leanings of the flesh. Story after story reveals this. See it and know it. This is the history of flesh thinking, documented for you to know, so you may see it as separate from your cosmic identity and your cosmic destiny. And when you encounter the words of the Spirit, know that these words are the cosmic alpha seeds that are embedded in the text. For these seeds are the very fabric of the cosmic mind, and they are there to awaken all the minds who also hold these seeds. The great book is your ancestry, but you are much more than your ancestors, for they did not see, and now you do. Coming out of the cosmic stream, I found this message held a lot of power. All of the cosmic messages are thrilling. They carry a pulse that goes straight through me. My mind is ignited with light and my heart is rendered. It's a simply breathtaking, empathic experience. I am hoping Christ will stay with me today and join us as we explore human behavior in the Bible. I wanted to do this episode because of the astral impression I have of these people trekking across the desert. Christ explained this to me as his own illusion. He conjures this image in order to comfort himself, which makes me wonder if Christ truly feels that the human story in the Bible is all about flesh thinking, 
that is centered on the flesh cravings and clinging of men to the longings and leanings of the flesh, why does he hold on to the long line of his ancestral people and their flesh longings and leanings as they plod through the desert so heavy laden? How do these burdened ghosts serve an enlightened mind? Does Christ wish to remember when he was not enlightened? Does he hold on to these things merely to remember his position as Messiah? His position as Messiah is to release these ghosts from their burdens, to grant them peace. That is the duty of the Messiah. Yet, this long line of burdened ghosts travel alone, without a shepherd, and without the Messiah. Jesus does not place himself on the long trek. As a matter of fact, the high silver gate at the end of the trek is closed. It's not even open to these burdened spirits. So how does this astral image assist Christ in his duties of the Messiah? The job of the Messiah is not to enslave people. It is to release people from slavery. This is the mission of the Cosmic Christ Ministry. And I am waiting for Christ to release the astral image of those ghosts as a sign that he is no longer dependent upon the ancient traditions of slavery to make him feel he is important. While our minds are connected, I see this image and I remember this image. And until this image and its memory are successfully processed through the resolve of intelligent comprehension and cosmic release, Christ and I will be at a crossroads at the juncture where our minds meet. I have already stated that I am not a theologian. I never studied the Bible. I didn't even finish Genesis. But there are some scriptures that stuck with me. In the Old Testament, Moses writes that he received a message from God that was filled with wrath. This took place in Deuteronomy. God told men to burn down the villages of his enemies, to slaughter the livestock and kill every man, woman, and child. And Moses relayed this to the people who carried out that command. What I see in this scripture is a lack of quality in the mental information because the information does not comply with the fruits of the spirit that are supposed to be the fruits of God. Galatians 5.22.26 But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now the fruits of God weren't known at that time because Christ hadn't been born yet to teach the fruits of the Spirit to the people. But as modern man now has the New Testament to help him understand the Bible, there is a clear definition of God as presented by Christ and this definition is represented in several scriptures that all make up the God code, the keys to the kingdom that Christ referenced in his message at the beginning of this episode. To rampage against your neighbor, burn down his village, slaughter the livestock and every man, woman, and child is not loving, peaceful, kind, good, or gentle, and it definitely does not show self-control, but it exhibits a lack of control. In addition, in Proverbs 35, it says, every word of God is flawless. Yet, the message supposedly delivered by God commanding the destruction of God's enemies is full of corruption. 
Since a flawless God cannot be corrupt, God could not have delivered this message to the prophet. Something else was afoot. This is the proper use of the human intellect. Analyze, reflect, ponder, discern, reason, and the application of logical deduction will lead you to the intelligent conclusion you need in order to make an intelligent decision about the Old Testament. But if you do not have any definition of God other than your own opinion, you will only have your own opinion to define your own God. Nehemiah 9.17 says you are a forgiving God, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. This scripture might be used to begin a God code for the Old Testament, but you would have to build on the qualities of God in the verse. As God is forgiving, gracious, compassionate, and abounding in love, he would not order the slaughter of men, women, children, and livestock. I am basing God on a cosmic God, not on a flesh God that would have a man's mind, but on a God that would hold a cosmic mind. I speak as someone who did not take the Bible as a gospel, but I took it as a piece of literature. And through the scriptures of Jesus Christ, I was able to understand what was being presented in the age before Christ's birth. I didn't understand all of what was presented, but the New Testament written under Christ's guidance did give many scriptures that illuminated who and what God is and what God was about. And these scriptures became the God code to me. By using these scriptures that define God, I could then define other scriptures in the Bible. And in that way, even if I didn't understand the prophets or the people the prophets led, I could know God and thereby understand the source of all messages. The problem I ran into was that the source of the messages didn't follow the God code. The source of the messages didn't sound like the divine being Christ described. The source of the messages sounded human. Wrath is not a divine quality. It is a human quality. Once the mind understands what divine thinking is, it can understand what human thinking is. And the mind will draw a distinction between divine thinking and human thinking. And the mind will know the difference between the two. The mind will see human thinking at play and it will know human thinking from divine thinking. And this kind of discernment was absent in the minds of the prophets and it was absent in the minds of the people who followed the prophets. In their column Savior, The Return of Christ, which is the autobiography I channeled for Christ's life, Christ reveals that it was just as hard to move an audience in his day as it is to move an audience now, even though in our current day and age, we are flooded with media sources that can be utilized to spread information. In Christ's day, the prophets and Christ had to travel door to door. They had to meet people face to face in order to speak to them. And then they had to find some means of holding the attention of their audience. Christ decided to use parables because parables captured the audience's imagination. But often, when the prophets went out to speak to people alone, they encountered hostility. So they had to change messages in order to calm the hostile crowd. The message was changed so the crowd heard what the crowd wanted to hear. 
Not only were their illusions fed through Christ's metaphors and parables, but the prophets fed their lusts. Christ admits that the prophets utilized this subterfuge whenever they feared for their lives. While I understand the prophets feared the public, I could never accept the writings as is because the inconsistencies in the information are too numerous. God cannot be flawless, perfect, loving, peaceful, kind, good, and gentle, nor can he exhibit self-control and forbearance if he is flying into rages and ordering the destruction of people, lands, and livestock. As the commands reveal an unstable mind, so the commands are revealed that they are not the commands of God, in at least so far as they are not the same God that Christ references as being spirit, love, light, flawless, peaceful, loving, joyful, gentle, kind, merciful, and full of self-control and forbearance. The mind that would order the destruction of villages and the slaughter of livestock and every man, woman, and child is a human mind. The evidence of this is in human behavior. Humans have a history of violence and destruction. The very activities that are commanded in the Old Testament are the activities of men. They are the forerunner for all of man's rampages and all of man's rampaging thinking that has led not only his ancestors, but the descendants of his ancestors right up to present day man. And when you see these same acts carried out today, you see that there has been no evolution in the human mind. There was no light in the minds of the people who commanded destruction and there was no light in the minds of the people who carried out destructive commands. The genealogy of those destructive people lived on because the matter was procreated and the mental programs were repeated in redundancy, so each new generation was programmed with the same old rhetoric and only those who saw the truth stood outside the stream of corruption. All others flowed along in the chaotic confusion of mayhem and turbulence waiting for the next war to command them into action. I tell you this to illuminate the working of the lower mind of men and also to illuminate that the lower mind's programming goes back thousands of years. The mind that held the light was outside the stream, but the minds without a light were more plentiful. The darkness held a greater army than the light, and with each new generation that army increased in number until the planet was in ruin as it is now, and even the web of existence is threatened. I see this in astral visions because my travels with the ancient spirits has entangled me in ancient time streams. Christ claims that his human interpretation at the time that he was human was that all the messages where God commanded violence were tests in order to see just how violent man would become. But for me, intelligence prevails, and there was no commands of violence that were intelligent, and a God that was flawless, kind, merciful, benevolent, good, gentle, and full of forbearance and self-control could not command his violent children to do more violence, for he would already know these children as violent, and it wouldn't make sense to push a violent man over the edge into the brink of insanity. Logic 
reason, and rational thinking lead to the logical, reasonable, and rational conclusion for the one who uses these intelligent applications. But for the mind that wants to be violent, that mind will just do as it pleases, and it will invent a story to justify its behavior according to its own dark thinking. In the story of Moses and the grains, which takes place in Numbers 11.4, Moses was leading a tribe of people, and their only food was manna, which was a type of bread. The people were tired of eating it, and all they did was complain, and Moses was tired of listening to them. So he went off to call on God and ask him what he was to do with the people. In reply, God sent in quail, and the people gathered them up for a feast, and while the meat was between their teeth, they dropped dead from a plague that they got from plague-ridden meat of the quail. Just like the previous scripture in Deuteronomy, there was no quality in the mind of Moses or the minds of the people. All were plodding along, grumbling and complaining about their lot in life. No one stopped to meditate. No one stopped to think, to reach up with their mind and seek a clearer understanding of themselves and their own thinking that led them to be in the situation they were in. Moses was only focused on the nagging people he led, and the people were only focused on their bland diet. There was no light in their minds and no light in their hearts. It makes me wonder why they were on this journey in the first place. Why was Moses on the journey? Moses was the leader. Where was his light? He wasn't thrilled to hear the voice of God. There was no elation in him. Moses was burdened. The voice he channeled had no light in it either. There was nothing comforting in the words. There was nothing soothing. If Moses was talking to God, why didn't God bring peace to all of their minds? Jesus sends peace to my mind. The story does nothing to support a spiritual God, nor does it support higher intelligence. It is presented as a parable in order to get people to think about their gluttony and their lack of faithfulness in God, but it doesn't teach people that the purpose is to think about your gluttony and your lack of faithfulness in God. I don't believe the God Moses spoke to is spiritual. A spiritual God defined by the fruits of the Spirit and Christ's teachings of love and peace would bring peace to the minds of the people, not a plague. A spiritual God would have led the people to fruit trees or an orchard where the juicy fruit would be refreshing to eat and drink. It would provide a welcome break from bread and also be satisfying and wholesome. The story of Moses and the grains is also a dark tale that really feeds the darkness of men by feeding their belief in the wrath of God. All the stories of the Old Testament portray the same lower thinking. This lower thinking never raises. There is no ascension in the minds of the people, nor is there any ascension in the minds of the prophets. This carried over into the New Testament, but at least there was Jesus to illuminate an ascended mind. But as the minds of men were not illuminated, as they were dark and fixated on their flesh and their miseries, it leads me right back to wonder, why would Christ hold on to the image of these same people trekking across a wasteland, heavy, laden, and burdened. 
And why would you hold this image? What good purpose would it serve? Would it not only serve to conjure the ghosts? And why would you conjure misery? Why not wash misery clean and grant these people rest? I see no good purpose in it, nor do I see it as the work of a cosmic mind. The man that dreams of being emancipated from slavery does not dream of being enslaved. Only the slave master dreams of enslaving men. So why would an enlightened mind conjure the image of a thousand enslaved minds? On our next Cosmic Christ episode, Channeling the Mind of Christ, I hope I have an answer from Christ. I'm Weaver Christ. May peace be with you, and thank you for listening.